Gray Fox. Praise games. Kept you waiting, huh? Brother, we are back. Welcome to Grey Fox Plays Games, the video games podcast for people who like to kick ass and chew bubblegum. And you know what, Mikey? Do you know what? Oh, well, I've heard that we're all out of gum. And we're all out of gum. And the voice you can hear on the other end is my brother, my soul brother, Michael Carden Edwards, aka Michaelness. How are you doing, buddy? I'm not too bad, thank you, mate. How are you doing on this fine, glorious day? I, I'm loving life. I, I'm doing a gimmick. My gimmick is I'm going to wear a video game t-shirt in each podcast recording. In the first episode, I was wearing a lovely Diamond Dog shirt. Today, I am modelling a Zelda shirt. Very you can, cool. You can see see there. Um, you've got to be careful when you buy these sort of shirts, though, right? Because, you know, when you look on these websites, you go, hmm, I'm, I'm a small. Maybe I'm a, maybe it's a medium, but is it one of those mediums that's for a medium medium? Or is it that, that kind of short, short shirt that makes it look like you want something to pack, you know? So you have to be careful of this, but I was very happy with this shirt purchase. <laughs> Producer Moles is shaking his head already. Mole man, how you doing, buddy? All is well in the engine room, my friend. Yes, the love, engine love room, it. I love it. The engine room, the engine room. Yes, Producer Moles keeps us on pace. Uh, Michael Carden Edwards, over the last week, my friend, what have you been playing? What have I been playing over the last week? Yeah. Uh, this will surprise you. I'm hoping it does surprise you. I actually... The answer started, might surprise you. Well, yeah, I went back in time. Not too nice. far back in time. I spent a lot of time playing Red Dead Redemption 2. Ah, classic. Because I'm Arthur Morgan, and I've got an un- unhealthy obsession with Dutch. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, like, I um, obviously I brought it when everyone else did. And it was great. And then I stopped playing it because everything takes a million years to do. And I found myself with a day on my own on Sunday. And I thought to myself, what can I spend a million years doing? And I thought, Red Dead Redemption 2. There you go. <laughs> we won't do the hand signal that producer Moles was doing. But one of the things that I'm really looking forward to in next gen, you know, when we get our hands on a PlayStation without having to fork out the, the cost of an average house, is that... Um, the loading times, right? You've, have you seen that video of where they're doing the comparisons? And I think it's like, on average, the average loading time is like a minute and a half to get Red Dead up and running. They've got it down to something like 19 seconds. And I know that you don't think that's a big deal, but like, I ain't got to, that's that's not enough time to get your phone out and like be distracted, which is a good thing, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is the thing. I mean, that, I, that's to me, that's one of the biggest selling points for next gen is loading. I we can't swear, no. You can swear, but it'll be dubbed. I hate loading times, okay? <laughs> With all of my passion, it's like having an advert. I hate adverts at the best of times. And when I'm playing a video game, the last thing I want is adverts. And I, I, I class loading times as basically adverts. Drives me mad. Mm. You know, really, it's been really grinds my gears is that um, in this, this whole thing in the current generation where they introduce this concept of whenever you're playing a linear experience, there would be a time where you have to slowly open a door. It will go into a bit where they duck and go through a corner or they hide behind something. Now, I'm not a developer, so I've probably got this wrong. But the reason why they do this is actually it gives time for the game to catch up and load. Like that's half the reason why this this format was bought in to actually like do loading on the fly. So you're hiding while you're hiding and crawling through something. There's actually things going on under the hood. Now in next gen, 
legitimately when um, Phil Spencer first took to the stage and talked about Xbox Series X. He's like, yeah, you're going to have no more of that. And then they showed a showcase of games and it was just people hiding under rocks. It sounds like it's just a thing that's, that's come in now, right? Well, it's the, um, it's the, uh, the Ratchet and Clank uh, demo, isn't it? That's the worst, the big one they show where you can basically just hop between worlds with no yeah. loading times whatsoever. There's no uh, Uncharted-esque let's crawl through a tiny gap in a cave and then, oh, look at that, the rest of the cave, the rest of the world is now loaded. There's none of that stuff. Yeah, yeah. we don't need that anymore. No, we don't, no, we don't play by those rules anymore. Rise it out. And apparently in Sackboy, that happens quite a bit as well. Oh, producer Miles, I'm loving the, loving the intel that comes in on us. So I'll tell you what I've been, been playing, Mike. I'll give you an update, an Avengers update. Um, I've completed the story, and the, the story is absolutely fantastic. And now I'm playing with the quote-unquote the end game, pardon the Marvel's pun in that, and... Uh, Man, I can totally see why it had that score and why people are a bit bit gypped at this. Now, I won't go into the stuff that I spoke about last time. If you want to hear my thoughts and listen to the last episode. But I will say this. A lot of people were turned off by this game by reports of bugs and like, oh, actually, there's too much complexities there. Like, I'm, I'll give it like a year before they sort their <laughs> out. And also, a lot of people avoided Watch Dogs Legion this year. Uh, a lot of people slept on it. For a number of reasons. One, because the timing was probably terrible when they released it. It came out during that sort of no man's time before Next Gen was about to come out. But also because Ubisoft have got that reputation of releasing games a bit buggy. If we think about Assassin's Creed Unity, how that ended up a few years back. Now, I would not be thinking a week later we'll be talking about the most buggiest, crappiest experiences going being Cyberpunk. And I know we, we won't dwell on it too much. We were touching it last week, but it's developed in the last week. I just want to hear your thoughts on that and like just just let's take a minute to acknowledge that Jesus Christ what a dumpster fire. I think they needed to um they need the, I said last week that um CD uh CD Project Red are not the good guys. Okay? Um they're not the good guys, let's be 100% clear about this. And they've come out afterwards after the launch and they've kind of said this big apology to their fans and they've encouraged people to get refunds on PSN an Xbox, even though you can't actually really do that easily, <laughs> oh which is, um, I mean, yeah, I mean so, someone I, better call Microsoft and PlayStation and say, oh, by the way, guys, we're doing refunds because they're, they're saying, hell no, this is our money. Well, I did, I got a refund on PSN several years ago when I purchased No Man's Sky, right? I actually got a refund and it was a massive pain in my <laughs> to get, okay? And No Man's Sky legitimately didn't work, right? Cyberpunk does technically work it just looks like jank and behaves awfully um i I'm, I'm firmly of the opinion that they should have just come clean halfway through this halfway through the cycle and gone you know what we cannot keep catering to a console generation which started seven years ago um yeah. they've i mean they've come out and said that they uh, they admitted they didn't focus enough on the base kind of console experience and obviously all the footage and screens that we've seen from a PC uh, SKU. So it's, you know, and that's the best way to play the game is PC. Uh, 100% the best way. Obviously the next gen patch isn't here yet. And I, even then I still think PC will be the way to go if you've got a beastly enough machine. Um, I think we're in that really dangerous area. I, I remember seeing it last uh Gen um, with the, was it Dragon Age Inquisition? They released that on the Xbox. Uh, they released that across uh, PS3 and yeah, PS4. That, that was the, the, the cross generation. Yeah. There's a period of time, isn't there, between and, 
current generation and the next gen and the games will be on both yeah and dragon age inquisition for the last gen uh, my friend purchased it and it was yeah it was awful it looked it looked terrible ran horribly uh, it was just a waste of time i really do think they need to stop doing this and, and cd project red should have come out and said you know what this is a next gen only game and this is what it's focused on because right now all they've done is just given themselves more bad publicity in a time when they didn't need any more bad publicity. I don't get why they didn't just delay it again. Like they've, they've, they've basically, because this game like originally started rearing its head in 2012, but that is when the first nubs of this game started being talked about and like uh, it was being discussed about. And I think I uh, can't remember exactly where, uh, but originally there was a a big unveiling where they did start talking about this game properly. But a number of years has been going. I know it's been delayed three times already, but what's the, one the, more? The, the, the share price of uh, the company has been nosediving. That's why. Yeah, but <laughs> like but before, how's it how's it looking now? You know, how is it looking? Well, I, I'm sure it would look better if they released a game that was getting universal acclaim. Put it that way. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, IGN, they decided to review this in a way where it was almost two games. They'd done a PC version, which they gave it a really high score. And then everything else, they gave it an awful score. And uh, it makes you beg the question, like, what does this mean for these cross-generational games? I'm thinking specifically about Xbox, because the way my understanding is, you know, correct me if I'm wrong on this, is that the way they've been they've been promoting series s and series x and the xbox one as in this is all one ecosystem it just means you're going to get a better experience on the the more expensive tech but in theory you could play this game on anything so how like we're already seeing the difference between just having a playstation 5 and a playstation 4 or an xbox series x i don't know if you get the same things on xbox one but i think it is across the board like what does that mean for other games that are working in this ilk is this actually feasible I'm still utterly baffled by the naming convention that Microsoft uses anyway. I don't have a clue which console is which, what console does what. I'm really, I'm still really confused by it, if I'm completely honest with you. I know that the Series X is the daddy, and that's about it. I know that the Series S, is it the the, the small one? Um, I know it's smaller. (laughs) <laughs> I, I don't know what it'll do. And, and you play games like how does how does like how does a parent and I know maybe that seems like a really old way of looking at it because let's face it, most parents are our age now. They've got kids and stuff, so they can't figure it out. But but what about the more less or sorry the less tech savvy people when they're in the store and they're just like, I just want to buy my kid a console. They just keep saying Xbox. Like it's quite funny, but looking at the sales numbers and the best thing to happen for both playstation and xbox in terms of playstation 4 and xbox one s sales has been actually the launch of the next generation because either people can't find the console they're looking for or they probably bought the previous one by mistake because they've just walked into a store and gone playstation i can either buy one for 250 or one for 500 i can't even get one for 500 i'll get one for 250 not even knowing they've got the wrong generation and the wrong thing anyway yeah and I, I, i love i've always liked playstation's uh, approach to naming conventions very clear ps1 ps2 ps3 ps4 ps4 pro ps5 it makes like you know what they all freaking do on the tin you know um yeah I, dude i it, this is something that's going to run and run um and until yeah. to be honest until i can get actually get my hands on one of these consoles um and likewise until i can actually play cyberpunk myself i mean i could download it for the pc but i'm sure my machine would melt. So uh, I'd rather play it with all the bells and whistles on. I mean, I could, again, I could buy it for the PS4, but as we've kind of discussed, what is, what is the point? Maybe it's worth a cheeky thing just to get the refund. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going through update, that again. At some point, they'll update it and then it'll be good, right? But I'm not, but I'm not going through that again, okay? It was a miserable experience. 
I'll tell you what's not been a miserable experience, my friend. Video games in 2020. Yes, there is a pandemic going on. That means most of pop culture has stopped. But we have had some bangers this year. And it is December. It's that time of year where different media outlets are chalking up their little lists. And, you know, let's face it, it's good to talk about stuff that's happened this year. So I want to talk a bit about the games of the year and the games that you've enjoyed, the stuff that's not maybe gone so well, and your favourite gaming moments. Uh, obviously, we'll bring in Moles from time to time, but but Michael Carnedwood, spotlight's on you first, pal. If you had to tell me one of your games of the year, where would you go? Shall I go with my actual game of the year or some or of the you, contenders? You've actually got, you've, you've got, if you've got one, then hit me your fucking, hit me with your best shot, baby. What's the top one on your list? My game of the year is Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2. Oh, baby. Yes. Why? Because it's the best game I played this year. It made me, it hit me in the, uh, the feel bucket because it's nostalgia, complete nostalgia. Um, the, everything about that game was everything I actually, was everything I wanted. The graphics look great. The soundtrack is perfect. Like it's all the old tracks from the old game, plus loads of new good ones. Um, the challenges, like layout, all that that you can spend forever on it. Basically, I have had an absolute blast playing it. I've got to the point where I was looking for new things to do on it because I wanted an excuse to keep playing it, and I was inventing challenges in my head because I was so obsessed with it. Um, I absolutely love it. It 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 feels like gold, and no <laughs> no other game this year has made me has made me that happy. Where well, I like. As soon as I flicked it on and the the soundtrack came on, I just I, I had a warm fuzzy feeling in my in my nether regions, which said to me, Michael, buckle in, my friend. This is going to be a good time. Now, I, tell you what, I've I reckon I must have put a hundred hours into it, and I had an exquisite time for every single one of those hours. Uh, brother, I, I agree. What an experience. And I'm going to say that there are remakes and then there are other, there are remakes of experiences. And th- I will touch upon this with some of my games a little bit later on in this, but it's when you play those games and you don't just get a feel about this is a great thing. They've taken something and, and made it a little bit newer. It's welcome home. That's the feeling you get when that game comes in, when the music comes in, when you see those things. And although they have graphically enhanced the fidelity so much more, you don't care. You go, this is exactly how I remember. Now, you actually, I remember you went on a rabbit hole and started sharing with us on on a WhatsApp group pictures of the original Tony Hawks compared to now. And I've got to say, that stuff looks bad like don't go so, back <laughs> yeah i i i was a bit uh illegal and i did download an emulator and i downloaded tony hawk's pro skater one because uh, that was my jam as a kid and i would i was literally playing it on ps4 pro on my tv and then playing it on my laptop with it with a playstation controller and seeing the difference the levels are exactly the same it feels it doesn't feel exactly the same because the PlayStation 1 controller was gubbins, basically. And obviously, there's a lot more fidelity. Like It's the same thing with Crash Bandicoot, yeah. why the remake was a bit weird. Um, they, they essentially used Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 3 controls for the most part, which is just tight, tight, tight. Um, yeah, but basically, the big thing I can see from Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 is that you couldn't see five yards in front of you because of the fogging, which was uh, <laughs> quite amusing. Uh, but the, but the, the same feel works, the same feel. And uh, with Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2, I hadn't played a Tony Hawk's Pro Skater game since I was in college. I'm 34 now, so this was a long time ago. I, was, I wasn't even 20 
the last time I played a Tony Hawk's Pro Skater game. Within, last time they were good as well, to be fair. Within about, yeah, I would say within two runs, I was back in the groove. And it was, like, it, it was in. muscle memory beyond belief. And I did the smile on, you had to sandblast the smile from my face. That's how incredible it was. Yes. Flinty, yeah. my man, what is your game of the year? I know, I think I know what it is, but go ahead. So I, I've got three that I, I really tussled between and it's worked its way back up to number one because I was on a train the other day and that meant I had my Switch with me, which meant that I was playing Hades. And this is on your recommendation, sir. Now, I, forgive me if I'm incorrect on this. I'm sure someone will tell me if I'm wrong, but my understanding is that this game has actually been around for a minute. Um, it's only actually in the recent sales in the Nintendo store that it got the notoriety that it has done, and deservedly so. Now, this game isn't reinventing the wheel in terms of stuff it's bringing in, but it just does it so, so well. And there's such a replayability about this game. And the, there's, there's just something so charming and charismatic, and it makes me think about, like, a mixture of Diablo, maybe even the craziness of a devil may cry. But also I love the fact that it's basically it's kill, die, repeat. And there's nothing wrong with that. And I absolutely love it. I love the loop of bringing this stuff in. And also the little dialogue bits you get. So like when you kill Meg and then she remembers you and she might bring it up a couple of times later on. And you literally have that feeling of accomplishment when your boons are connecting in that right chain and you are hitting people, the lightning's with it as well. And then all of a sudden you're, you're back in the, the underworld and you go, Jesus Christ, I thought I was, I was untouchable. Turns out one of those blob things sucked me in and I, I got too greedy and that's it, I'm gone. Like It is the most challenging but rewarding game. Like I get the frustration, not the frustration that I'll get from a Souls game, but I get the, the I just want to get back up and go at it again sort of thing. And uh, I, it kind of is it's my number one right now. And it's, a, it's definitely up there for game of the year, like across the board anyway. But um, I, yeah, Mikey, I know you love this game more than I do, man. What's your, your thoughts? If Tony Hawk's is number one, uh, this is 1.1. Okay, Hades ran it very, very close. Obviously developed by Supergiant Games, uh, the makers of Bastion, Transistor, um, uh, Pyre as well, which I never played actually. Um, I loved Bastion. I loved Transistor as well. Um, I knew these guys were going to do something good. And obviously the game, I think their initial release date was back in 2018 um, mm. on the PC, kind of early access, that kind of gimmick. Um, I bought it on Switch the day it was released because I heard such good things about it. And the day it was released, they get they put it in sale. A win-win. And so you guys may know this about me, but my one of my favorite games of all time is The Binding of Isaac. Mm. Okay? I... If you added up all of the hours I've put into video games over the years, uh, take away Football Manager, because that's obscene, and take away endless games of Pro Evo with my mate Lee, but Binding of Isaac's probably number one. Okay, I've played that game endlessly, more than Bloodborne, more than Witcher, more just endlessly, endlessly, endlessly. Um, Because it's a roguelike, right? Roguelike games basically live, die, repeat, exactly what you just said. Um, Hades does everything perfectly. The be- and, the, and, the, and the thing which you kind of touched upon is the fact that between runs, things happen. So yeah. when you, I, I, I almost, I, I get to the point in runs where I'm like, I kind of want to die now because I want to go back to the under the, the underworld bit to see people, to see what they say about certain things. And that 
that's the most addictive quality. The writing is really good. The voice acting is superb. The art style is is just oh, is glorious. It's um, that detail in those little bits, right? As you were just saying there, like the the amount of effort that goes into the writing in that game of you can literally go speak to oh hello hellhound and it will remember the last time you interacted with it it will give you some context over a time you died like 20 times ago and it'll be like oh, still struggling to get past that bit eh? and it's like oh, yeah yeah you're right um, have you yeah, ever um, have you ever fought the shopkeeper no i dare not because I, I i wouldn't want him to hate me and not give me stuff or i i had this thing in my head of if i attack him uh, is the price going to go up or something on goods so- I went into the shop once and I got an option to steal. And I was like, <laughs> hello, what do you mean steal? So I obviously I pressed the button and yeah. yeah, he loses his rag with you. And then you have a boss fight against him. And I found him harder than the last boss. Like, I've not made it to the last, last boss. Like I've sunk like 70 odd hours into it and I still haven't got to the last boss and I don't care. <laughs> you haven't defeated Hades yet. No, no, Zeus, no, the, the Zeus, isn't it? Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't even know who the last boss is. I just know that I keep getting very far and then going, oh, well, that was fun while it lasted. And then I just I just keep enjoying myself. And I'm just quite happy tip, to suck at it. Just as a tip, okay? Yeah. Just for, for those, those of you listening who want to get really far on Hades and are kind of struggling with your build, two things that helped me. The dash is your friend. Always dash. So any buffs that affect your dash, do them and do them yeah. plentifully. Uh, Doom is the best buff, in my opinion. Ah. doom is absolutely just completely devastating essentially you hit an enemy uh, or once you've touched them hit them uh, they essentially have a knife above their head which then inflicts doom on them the knife drops on them and then they basically die you can clear rooms incredibly quickly do insane damage doom and dash and you will be spinning to win my friend the double d to spin love it all right so you've you've told me your number one and it sounds like hades was your number two it was. Have you got any? What else is on on the the Carl Edwards lists for game of the year? Uh, I had one more to be honest with you. I didn't want to go too wild with it, and it was um not necessarily the best game I played all year. But again, I'm of the age where nostalgia kind of rules my head, and it kind of you know it kind of it dictates how I feel about things. And um, so I went with Streets of Rage Four. Oh um, yes, because when you talk about a remake or I suppose a, a sequel, as it were. They put that it was fan service to the extreme. The updates they've made in the game as well, the art style, the gameplay. I absolutely loved it. I loved it. I've completed it several times. I've unlocked several million characters, and um, the music never gets old. Uh, I spent quite a few few soundtrack is so I spent bad, weeks with the OST as my running soundtrack because it was just dope. Um, so yeah, Streets of Rage Four. The guys that made it did an absolutely killer job, and. Uh, yeah, as a as Moles just put in the uh, chat here, um, myself and Mr. John Moles played a lot of the original at university, and uh, yes, it was one of those things. Again, I, I, I turned it on, and I just kind of went, "Oh yeah, this feels good." Chewy, we're home. That's yeah. the feeling you get, man. It's it is that, and I that's that was on my list as well. Actually, I completely agree with you. That soundtrack is banging. I absolutely adore the fact that you can switch between that and the retro mode. So, in terms, of you can have the original soundtrack as well as the latest one. Uh, the unplay the characters you can unlock. You can unlock the original characters, but not only can you unlock the original characters, you unlock them in the original fidelity. So they're literally like eight bit blocking around. You know, I I love it. And no, like saying it's not probably not the greatest game that was made this year but the greatest feels it's up there right it's 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 just incredible yeah 
It gave me joy. Video games are meant to give you joy. And I got a lot more joy out of that game than a lot of other games I played this year. So yeah, for me, it's, it's, it's in the, it's in the conversation. Doesn't quite take home the prize, but it's in the conversation. Mm, yeah. Yeah. So I, we, we have very similar lists, believe it or not, but one of the things I know is not on your list. And I know Mr. Moles would be very interested to hear in this one is that I am a final fantasy man. So I have to say Final Fantasy VII Remake is in the list. And I've got to say, it didn't start in the game of the year list when I first started playing this. Now, when I first heard about this project, like many people, I was very, very excited. One of the greatest games ever being reimagined for a generation, which we've been hoping for for a long, long time. I brushed up against the idea of the combat changing so much. Uh, I don't mind Final Fantasy XV style, but that's great for Final Fantasy XV. I don't want that in my Final Fantasy VII. I like my turn-based stuff. That's why I went and bought it on the Switch. That's why I bought it on my mobile. That's why I've got like I've got even a crappy iOS version of Final Fantasy VII because I like the the the, the, the original battle system and the idea of taking that and making it live actiony and all that stuff. No, brother, take it back. But I was like, okay, I'll get it. I'll buy it. I'll nibble. And once I got past that, once I've got over my own thing of you can have Final Fantasy VII the way it was. That's fine. This is a reimagining of it, and they've done a new way of playing it. And try and learn this language, and try and learn this the way this game wants you to play. The fact they've taken a game that originally is a hundred hours long, took the first six hours of that, and made that into a fifty-hour game. Now you do the maths there. We're a long way away from ever completing this game. But I don't know how they're going to get to that point, but it's incredible. And again, to that point of when you first played Tony Hawk's, and you go, you know what? I know they've changed it but this is how I remember it. That's exactly the feels I got when walking around Midgar in Final Fantasy VII Remake. And it has to be part of the conversation in terms of, you know, is it up there in terms of some of the greatest experiences that games can have this generation? Absolutely. Um, did it take my breath away the way like other games have done this year? Maybe not. Um, reason why is because there's certain elements I'm not sure made sense. And they don't. there's a lot of fetch quests I'm not a fetch quest man. Like I get pretty bored with that sort of stuff. They try and pad it out with a lot of story beats. So this game is unnecessarily long. Like it could have been done in half the time, but I get why they've done it. They really wanted to give you the full Midgar experience of if you're coming, if this is the last time you come back to this place, you are going to walk every street. You are going to go collect a cat seven times. You're going to go speak to everyone. The voice acting is incredible. This sounds, awesome. this sounds miserable. As someone who, um, <laughs> as someone who uh, saw this was being released, I played the first, played the you know the original on the PlayStation One for about a minute, and went, "Nah, this is boring, bruv." Um, <laughs> I've seen it on the Switch. I've seen it on the iPhone. I resisted every time because I'm just like, "Look, people go nuts over this game. I don't get the appeal of it at all." I like turn-based JRPGs as much as the next guy. This game, though, uh, no thanks. It doesn't it doesn't do it for me. And then. As a selling point, as exactly what you said there, they've taken the first six hours and turned that into a 50-hour game. Absolutely do one, mate. No interest <laughs> whatsoever, man. That sounds like a miserable time. The worst thing about JRPGs is the length, okay? And if you're just going to elongate this one out so I have to spend about 7,000 hours until I complete it, no thank you. And that's why it's not my number one. Like there's some, don't get me wrong. It's a beautiful story. It's told in a fantastic way. The voice acting is incredible. They actually done some really interesting stuff. So it's no spoilers, but for anyone who's played the original game, it used to be quite a straight up clouds, the good guy, reluctant, bad, you know, reluctant, good guy, uh, Barrett's Barrett. And there's a love interest and that's it. 
Now, they introduce new elements and the story of the love interest to the point where you go, I don't know who I want to be together. I actually am rooting for for Cloud to be with with with, with Jesse or to be with, to maybe end up with Eris or maybe it's something happened with Tifa. And I know your face is putting like, what the hell is going on, Flint? But have they, have they Cobra Kai'd it then? They have definitely Cobra Kai'd the relationships in this. Um, although Barrett is still as... as as problematic as he was in the original version, just now with a voice, but it's it's, the storytelling, the way they've done it is beautiful. They have introduced a new element of this is not going the same way you think it does. There are other elements at play and they are playing off the fact that it's being very meta off itself. That is very cool. Will they bring this story to a conclusion? Your guess is as good as mine. This game took 10 years to make and they took the first six hours and blew that to 50. So how the hell are they going to finish this game? I have no idea, but is it better than 15? Yes. Because I, I, I purchased 15 in a sale just because I was curious and uh, I regretted it immeasurably ever since. <laughs> I, I played it for about six or seven hours and it was six or seven hours that I want back. I hated, hated that combat system. So I, it was a bit of an experiment, that game, for a number of reasons. One was the combat system, which they had. Great. Great. I, I will say the food that you, get to cook, that you get to cook in that game looks delicious, right? <laughs> <laughs> it knows how to tap in on food fields, doesn't it, with people? But that, that game was an experiment, really, for two reasons, in my opinion. One is the combat system. They've perfected that now for Final Fantasy VII. That's how they want to play games. It's a lot better. They did improve it. Secondly, is in Final Fantasy XV, that game starts as an open world and then becomes a very linear game because we are so used to Final Fantasy games starting out very linear and blowing up into a massive world stage. Now, Final Fantasy VII, it's no secret to know it only happens in Midgar and maybe like a couple of minutes after what happens in Midgar. But that is not an open world game. And there is no open worldness really in this. It gives that that kind of open space where, you know, like you have an open area with some areas you can go explore, um, similar to how um, Enchanted games are, are, are set up, um, but not not a, a full on open world. And I, the first thing I've always wanted in the next generation after the first PlayStation was, I cannot wait to see a world map in a Final Fantasy game in the next generation. I've been waiting for that since the PlayStation 2, and I still haven't got it yet. So, Square Enix, if you're listening, give us that world map we want. But, look, it's it's made it onto the list, but uh, it didn't make it to the top of my list. And, uh, Moles, I think it's not worth your time, though, buddy, because I know you're, you're, you're a time-sensitive man. You probably should wait until someone's done a nice video explaining it all for you. But let's talk about some disappointments. Because there have been some disappointments this year. I've got two gaming disappointments. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap for a couple of seconds here. Actually, I'm going to bring in producer Moles in this because he is a Resident Evil man. Yep, love those games. But I well, think I've pretty much played most of them apart from the current generation games, which is a so, disappointment for me. Resident Evil 2 remake, one of the best games ever, one of the best remakes. Again, it hits you in those feels. And when we heard Resident Evil 3 was going to be remade, a lot of people, including myself, cried with joy because that's one of the best... For a lot of people, that was the first time they played Resident Evil was Resident Evil 3, believe it or not. And to hear that being remade in the same way I've done Resident Evil 2, like, take my money now, please. I pre-ordered it, day one release. Now, the first four hours of this game, brilliant, absolutely brilliant. It's unfortunate timing that they released this game at the start of a pandemic, when the start of the narrative of the game is a virus is sweeping through the city, I've got to be honest, it's a little bit too close to call, especially when they got live action actors to do the video bit for it at the beginning. It was like, ooh, timing's a bit unfortunate on this. But the first few hours, absolutely incredible. But unfortunately, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. It could have been a DLC. It is not a 60 buck game. And it's just that basically, it's basically just Resident Evil 2 set with Jill. And 
I was hoping for something a lot more. The advancements we got from Resident Evil 2 Original to 2 Remake, uh, amazing and a sweeping contrast in terms of fidelity, but it's everything you remember. Resident Evil 3 could have been just a, a DLC, man. Now, before I get to my next disappointment, Mikey, what's on your disappointments of 2020? Destiny 2 and its free-to-play model. Oh, that's a good one. I agree. So uh, me and Flinny and our good friend Tom Woods, we were a fire team. We love Destiny 2. The League of Shadows. The, the League of Shadows, exactly. And um, it launched, it actually went free-to-play, I believe, last year. And um, I was still a player of Destiny uh, here and there. And then if you were to try and play Destiny 2 now, you would be baffled by what the hell you have to do. Essentially... Whilst they made loads of content for free, um, you can get things like the Curse of Osiris, Warmind, blah, 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 all these things for free. They're actually going to be taking a lot of it away. So content that you've actually paid for, people that weren't free-to-play players, DLC that you've paid for is being removed from the game. What? But I own that. (laughs) That's mine. Not anymore you don't, because it's a free-to-play game now, you see, because there isn't enough space for all of the things things I want to do. Now, the issue is, is that when you go free-to-play, you need something, the the developers need to make money. And when Bungie left, when Bungie kind of left Activision and, you know, took out on their own with Destiny 2, a lot of people hoped it would get better. In my opinion, and in many other players' opinion, it's gotten worse. Essentially, they've gone down the season's route, uh, a.k.a. Fortnite. Um, and in Fortnite, that's fine because there aren't items to collect. In Destiny, you basically free. you grind the season to get the items. And then at the, ne- the start of the next season, your light level gets reset. What the f- is the point in that? Um, and now, basically, all of the cool stuff is behind Eververse. Uh, which is obviously the 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 the, pre, the, the premium currency, or currency for cosmetics and stuff, right? And everything cool is behind that now. Uh, the armor and all that kind of stuff. Um, you don't get random drops anymore. Essentially, you don't get random perks. Everything is just a giant grind fest. Basically, good luck getting anything that you want. Um, it's not for me, dude. It's not for me. Uh, I logged in about six months ago, and I I, I genuinely tried to play. I, je- I bear in mind how, much, how many hours you put into this game. I tried to enjoy myself and I just wasn't enjoying any of it. And I love Destiny and it really, really bummed me out. So yeah, that's my that's my main disappointment of the year. Oh man, like, I, I, I've deliberately not gone near Destiny 2 for nearly a year because A, I knew that come September, there's the big link, you know, a la what they've done with the Taken King, there'll be something huge. And also, yeah, I, I kind of agree with you. Like, I don't want to be that guy who says, oh, free-to-play don't work, because it does work for certain games. It's absolutely incredible. But Destiny did not start life as a free-to-play. It was a thing that you purchased, and then you continued purchasing content on a quarterly basis, and everything was fine. Now, I appreciate that they lost uh, monthly players. They lost you know, people coming back, so they've got to find other ways to shake it up. But, yeah, just really, and, you know, I know games as a service is meant to evolve and that's fine, but I shouldn't lose stuff that I've earned. And I know it's a stupid thing and I know it's like a proper baby thing to moan about, but I hate the fact that I paid for a piece of content that is now free. I don't care how many years later it is. It's just annoying and it makes me not want to give you more money in the future. Yeah, and that, that's, that's an issue for me. I mean, Destiny is, um, they have... They've done well to retain a lot of the player base. I mean, the Marvel Avengers, I think it's the, the stat I saw two days ago is that it's lost 96% of players since launch. 
Oh which God, is mind-blowing. And so, look, I can understand if you're doing that kind of games as a service, soft, like, you know, if you're doing that, you need to retain the player base as much as you can. Um, the problem with Destiny is, is that I think every fan knows what it should be, and it's never been what it should be. Yeah. And it's every game annoying. is looking for that. How many times have you heard, you know, such and such is after that Destiny audience? And you're like, the Destiny audience aren't after that Destiny. Or Destiny's not Destiny, right? Like that thing that everyone thinks Destiny is, it's not. Everyone who plays it does have a lot of qualms with the game, but they've got such a loyalty to the brand and how many years they've sunk hours-wise into this that they hope it will evolve into the thing they hope it will become. And don't get me wrong, there are moments where you have a fire team chat going and you've got all of you in your team and you're going to do a strike and you have a great time but they're becoming less and less and less. And it's also the less opportunity it's about to happen when it's less appealing because you say the grinding doesn't matter anymore. The only gear worth having comes at a currency and no currencies are few and far between without spending a lot of additional money in, which again, you don't feel like you should do because you've already bought the game. Well, so, I remember yeah, grinding for a helmet, right? I, I, gr- I grinded for like a week straight to get this really dope looking helmet for my uh, my Warlock, right? It looked It looked amazing. And I still have that helmet. It looks really cool, but it's now completely worthless. And it's like, ah. Oh. And to get the equivalent thing now, I mean, that always happens, right? If you play World of Warcraft or anything like that, everything that you get eventually will become obsolete. I get that. But the amount of grinding I would have had to do to get the equivalent helmet now is like a million the size than what I did. And it's just like for something that will then become obsolete once the next season rolls around. So I, I, I'm not, I don't need this, bruv. All right, I'll, fin- I'll finish off with one more disappointment, okay? And I think this is something that everyone can can feel, okay? We've had a crazy year with, with COVID and pandemic and all that kind of stuff. Do you know what would have made it a lot better or made it bearable at least if next-gen video game consoles would actually uh, be in stock? Yes. Yeah, that's, that's a good one. That's a good one. Make sure you've got, if you've got a base, base audience of something like 70 million people, you're probably going to have a lot of demand make them i mean because at the moment you know, <laughs> the people that make the money out of this are scalpers i mean i went I'm, I'm based in madrid i went on their version of craigslist or gumtree it's called wallapop and the cheapest <laughs> i could get a ps5 here is like 900 euros and it's just like ah oh, really that's how you're going to do it to people over christmas and there are going to be parents of kids that are going to be the kids are going to be just horrendous wanting one of these consoles and these parents they're going to be parents out there that does that 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 ponies up the dough double the price to get this and it's just it sucks it sucks and i I genuinely hate it Mm. no i agree with you anyway let's let's move on from disappointments now i want to know what video games did you discover this year that may not have come out this year but you discovered them this year and you've you've had a good experience with them i'll give you an example I was on PlayStation Now about three months ago, having a couple of gins, thinking, oh, I'll have a little goose around here, see what I can find. And I found a game called The Turing Test. Now, this game is multi-platform. If you can find it on stream, you can find it on Games Pass. It's a little first-person puzzle game. And it made me think about the original PlayStation. You know when the PlayStation first exploded in different directions of lots of different cool games? Like, there was a game where it was just a ball that bounced around and you bounced the ball. It was, it was that kind of thing. Of Their gimmick was you're solving a puzzle, you are trapped in an underground base, and essentially you need to get from point A to point B. And you will have the ability to move blocks and you have the ability to turn on switches. And that's it. That's it. It doesn't need any more. They, they underlined a nice little narrative of you're, an, you're a robot and you need to get out of the base and you're trying to figure out why the base is empty. 
Turns out you're not a particularly good robot. But anyway, spoiler alert. But it's a really enjoyable game. You'll get the whole thing done in about three hours. I discovered it on PlayStation now. It is, I can't remember. I don't know what year it was made. And I think probably 2016 or something like that. But I discovered it this year and I sank so much enjoyment in that game. And that's what games are about. It's discovering stuff, right? And that, for me, that is one of the best little discoveries I found this year. What about yourself, Mikey? Sorry, what was that called? The Turing Test. I've never heard of this game. Amazing. I love it when this kind of shit happens. I love it. Um, no, um, so I have two, two, two quick ones. Um, two games I discovered this year. Like I, it's been a difficult year for gaming for me, to be honest with you, because I've had to move house and move job and all kinds of stuff. But I have gotten down to play a couple of games. One of them is uh, a game that only came out last year, but I had never heard of it. I didn't hear of it when it came out. And it's legit. Like, if it came out this year, it would be in my Games of the Year nomination list. It's called Disco Elysium. Um, it's ah, coming out yes. to consoles next year, I believe. Anyway, I hope so. I think they're releasing, like, a like, a, like an executive edition or what have you with some more content yeah. and stuff. When it comes out on consoles, I encourage you to, to, to get it. It is an absolutely barnstormingly mad good time. Basically, you're a guy that wakes up in a hotel room, you're a detective, and... You have no idea how you got there. You're hung over to and that's the story. And you're essentially, you're in a town trying to solve a murder. And you know, like how typical RPGs, you kind of get like, you know, intelligence and dexterity and strength like that. In this game, you get mad. Let me actually find out what the, what they are. So, because the, the, the skill trees or what the different skills you have are absolutely nuts. And as soon as I saw it, I was like, I'm absolutely buying this game because this sounds absolutely crazy. So you have uh, logic, encyclopedia, rhetoric, drama, conceptualization, uh, visual calculus. You have all basically a load of crazy bastard things, right? And then you have like different like uh, builds you can have. And you have the thinker, or you can be sensitive, or you can be physical. And like you have... Do, it's basically completely and utterly barnstormingly mad. Like my first playthrough of the game, I decided to be a down on his luck drunk. <laughs> and I was a detective. And basically you literally role play as a drunk. And the way, honestly, I cannot describe to you the writing of this game, the genius of this game, right? When it comes out, I, I, I command you to buy it, Mr. Flint. I genuinely think you will like it. That's, that's right up my alley. And uh, according to producer Moles, that the Steam Pictures makes a character look like Lemmy, which always makes... I, I mean, I, thought, I assume you mean Lemmy from Motorhead. Uh, uh, sold. Sold. Yeah, it's an absolutely crazy game. You spend the first part of the game trying to find your shoes. Amazing. <laughs> anyway, um, and the other game that I really liked this year as well that came out in 2017 was uh, I bought it on the Switch when they released the uh, definitive edition uh, was uh, Dragon Quest XI. I told ah. you I don't mind the odd the odd uh, turn-based JRPG, and this is probably the best one that's been released in a million years. It's absolutely beyond charming. The cast of characters are lovely. The world is a joy to explore. The music is much upgraded from the regular version, and uh, yeah, it's just it's good old-fashioned jrpging it's a really really good time and when it's in a when it's in a sale my man i encourage you to get that as well nice nice just to kind of wrap up sort of games that i discovered this year that might not have came been made this year um i died we spoke to lara croft last week and uh, i i played her latest endeavor 
uh, Shadow of the Tomb Raider. Now, I, I love the remake, the reboot they've done in 2013. Now, I think because of the exclusivity deal they've done with Xbox, I, I slept on the sequels. Wish I didn't, because Shadow of the Tomb Raider is fantastic. It's a conclusion to a trilogy. Uh, it doesn't mean they're not going to still do games with Lara Croft, but the idea is that this is how she become Tomb Raider, and they, they really do sort of fill in the gaps and, and really bring her up to the Lara that you kind of know and love from the original series. And it's just the way they've done cinematic storytelling with amazing set pieces as well as great gameplay. They've got it in abundance. Like the folks at Crystal Dynamics have done an amazing job there. And uh, I suppose just another, I mentioned it last week and it's definitely up there for game of the year. If it was released this year, it would be control. Um, again, not reinventing the wheel in terms of the gameplay, but definitely reinventing the wheel in terms of storytelling. Uh, it's just done in such an innovative, innovative, bright, bold, just amazing, just concept done in impeccable perfection and i can't wait to get hold of this on a ps5 because they've done an amazing update for it which uh again if you see it on sale don't buy the cheap standard one just spend, spend two pound more and get the ultimate edition because i've never played the game alan wake but it's made by the same people that made alan wake and Marcy's giving me the thumbs up and this is they have set control in the same universe as alan wake and he does an appearance in the dlc they are giving with this version and you know, for that, I'm like, yeah, sign me up, brother. I can't wait to, to see these worlds collide. So that is our Games of the Year conversation so far. If you've got a difference of opinion or want to talk to us about it, give us a shout. You know what? It worked last time, so we're going to go back to it. We're going to go back to the wheel. Uh, a bunch of questions about video games and topics we love within video games. And we have no time to prepare to answer these questions. Sometimes it's gold. Sometimes it's even better than gold. Let's find out what we've got this week. So oh, I love that satisfying clacker. I love a clickety clacker. Kept you waiting, huh? <laughs> okay, gentlemen. Okay, so the will has come up. If you were Sony PlayStation and you had the opportunity to purchase any studio to become a first party studio, who would you purchase? Um, easy. Ooh. Easy. I mean, yeah, okay, good. I think I know you're going with the first one. Rockstar. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a great starting point, right? You've made the biggest selling video game of all time. If you have that as an exclusive on your console, uh, yeah, it's pretty much a, a deal breaker, right? Like, you'll buy a console if you could only play GTA off of that. Yeah, I mean, GTA Five is a license to print money. They never had to release DLC because GTA Online did so well. Like, think about that for a second. They released basically the biggest game of all time and never released any DLC for it in today today's day and age all they had to do is basically tack on an online mode which is i found absolutely abysmal to navigate and yet kids love buying new cars on it i mean it breathed it breathed new life into its community every year right did you hear about the aliens the aliens battle no so randomly on gta online people started dressing up. You know, you could buy cosmetics and stuff. And, you know, there's a, a mission where you're an alien and you're shooting aliens. You could buy the outfit or you can buy an outfit that looks like one of those aliens in, in those things. And there was two colored aliens, right? You could buy either a purple or a blue. And what happened was this gang of people were going around in purple alien outfits. I may have this wrong, people. So if I'm incorrect, you know, correct us. Um, but I, this is what I remember of it. There was a gang of people dressed as purple aliens going around, just beating the crap out of people, just literally. And then this, this army grew, got bigger and bigger and bigger. There was thousands of people just taking over the city, beating people up. Then there was a resistance. A group of blue aliens decided, no, we've had enough of this. The tyranny of the purple aliens ain't happening anymore. So they went and got their blue alien outfits and fought back. 
And this raged on for days to a point where on a Reddit forum, a representative of the Purple Aliens proposed a one battle to end all battles. So literally for hours on end, there was thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people on GTA in this war. GTA did not facilitate this in any... I mean, you know Fortnite do their big annual thing, like you say, it builds up to a season, they get everyone together. By the way, that's stellar. Some of those moments you hear about, absolutely incredible. GTA are like, why is our servers really busy? Why is everyone... (laughs) And I, I want to see a documentary or even a film made about this moment between the purple and the blue aliens on GTA. Amazing. Amazing. So, I mean, obviously this question's came up because recently Bethesda was purchased by Microsoft and that obviously led to questions about exclusivities and all that sort of stuff. And how does PlayStation respond in kind to this sort of thing? Now, I would love... I mean, they already bought Insomniac games because they saw how great they're done with the Spider-Man stuff. I don't know if it's possible for them to do this, but the guys who make Mortal Kombat, who make the Injustice games, is it Neverrealm? Is that what it's yeah, called? Yeah, Neverrealm, isn't it? Yeah. I think that would be a really interesting acquisition because I would love to see, hey, the Mortal Kombats, I think, are fantastic. That game engine with Injustice is glorious. Like, I'd love to see more of that, even so. But I'd love to see them tackle some other bits. Imagine, do you remember back in the day, PlayStation used to do the All-Stars games, where it would be like a beat-em-up of the classic yeah. characters. Now, let's face it. It's basically yeah. like Super Smash Brothers, right? It is, but they, ain't got, they didn't have the IP then for a good Smash Bros. competitor. Now, if you get the Neverrealm guys, and you get the God of War dude facing off against Crash Bandicoot, well, you've got Solid Snake in the background as well. You can even have the Death Stand- Stranding guy there, and it probably makes sense. And Nathan Drake. Nathan Drake, like, there's there's an argument that Lara Croft should be involved. You know, she is, she was a mascot, and you can find so many. Ama- oh my god, I want to see Sackboy. I want to see Sackboy do a f- bloody finisher to Crash Bandicoot, and then spit out his entrails, and then Kronos comes in with the elbow. Like, you can see that working so well, and it just adds another ribbon to the bow, man. I like it. So Moles has been very, very busy giving us some messages here without saying anything. So Moles, unmute your microphone. I want to know who you would get. Moles, bring up producer Moles. Uh, I don't know. There's, there's too, many, <clears throat> too many good brands that have been around for a long time. And I'm just thinking they've got a good, some good back catalogs of games that if you was to make them PlayStation exclusives... Some of their games, some of the main title games are kind of more niche. Um, but I was, my initial thought was Konami and the Metal, the Metal Gear series, Silent Hill series. The Metal Gear games are practically exclusives, even though they're not. But like they're, they're like I say, they feel like they're mascots of the PlayStation. So yep. it just makes sense to lock that, lock yep. that stuff down. Absolutely. And then I thought, oh, Capcom, because uh, I like Resident Evil games. Street Fighter, oh my god, can you imagine what would happen if Street Fighter ended up being exclusive? It was. Really? Have I slept on this? When was it an exclusive? Was it the fifth one? Was it the last one that was uh, PS Sony exclusive? Yeah. I did not know that. I need to have my game card taken away. Jesus Christ. How did people react? Um ambivalence i think it's not it's not really a big um the, 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 the key with it is that um yeah ps5 yeah, um street Fighter five was, was exclusive and i know that they were uh basically uh, something along the lines of phil spencer said that street Fighter came to them but he started to do something else basically 
Um, the, the thing is, I mean, the Xbox controller isn't good enough. I wouldn't like that D-pad for a fighting game anyway. Um, for me, the PlayStation D-pad is perfect for fighting games. So, yeah, for me, it doesn't really matter. I mean, but a lot of people, serious players, use sticks anyway. So, what what do yeah. I know? Um, yeah, I mean, it. The thing is, it being as a, an exclusive didn't exactly blow things up. Just put it that way. Right. Okay. Fair. For enough. me, if you want to make big inroads, um, it would have to be rock steady. It would, Bethesda is a great pickup by Microsoft because whenever they get around to releasing the Elder Scrolls Six, that's going to be insanity. Um, but if you don't want any of them, just go and get EA. Oh my God, right? Like the, And I don't know why, but a lot of video game podcasts on the fact that FIFA is one of the best-selling games on the planet. Like, just come to terms with it. There's a lot of people out there that really enjoy that game. I'll be honest, I've not played a good FIFA in about four or five years. There's no, not- no one that plays FIFA enjoys FIFA. It's the... <laughs> it's the it's the self-punishment because they want that next shiny new thing. That's all it is. I play FIFA occasionally, and I want the next shiny new player. I suck at the game, though, but I play it through gritted teeth. And after I finish playing, I feel dirty because all I'm doing <laughs> is lining the pockets of EA's corporate fat cats. That's all I'm doing, bruv. That's all I'm doing, and I wish I wasn't. But basically, if you want to play any form of online football mode in uh, on on a console you're stuck with fifa's ultimate team loot box extravaganza or you're stuck with pro evo's old, uh, my team loot box extravaganza it's all a game of chance it's all a game of luck it's a miserable experience no matter who you are you've got scripting you've got crazy glitches you've got obscene prices it's not a good time to be a football fan wanting to play football online these days in my opinion no, fair enough, man. Yeah, I've, I think Molsey has dropped something there, though, with, with Konami. I think definitely. That I can imagine, if you think about it, you know, you know in like HBO uh, in America, when they, they announced their streaming service, and then all of a sudden you went, oh, that's a compelling proposition because all of a sudden you realised all the films and, and TV shows you're going to get on that. I'll get that sort of feel if I heard Sony acquired Konami because then all of a sudden you're thinking, oh, my God. Silent Hills. I mean, I'll, I'll just take a nice bundle of the original stuff together, let alone all the additional stuff that could come out of new exclusive content from that. I, unfortunately, I still think we're never going to see that Silent Hills. And Mikey, you're probably grateful for that. That we'll probably never see Silent Hills ever come to life. I've got an original PS4 hard drive with Silent Hills on it, just as a as, I feel like a relic, you know, like a, a thing of what could have been. Oh man, I'd love. Are to you talking that. about the PT game? Yeah. Yeah, I downloaded that, scared the shit out of me, deleted it, threw my <laughs> PS4 on a fire. I mean, Horror, you should have kept it just for the fact that people were selling PlayStation 4s on eBay for it. Still, and you're right, sorry, PT, not Silent Hills, the game never was made. Um, but uh, I, I had that demo, I've still got it on an old hard drive. And what I love the fact is that, you know, in the video game Dreams, which, by the way, PlayStation clearly should be buying Media Molecule and making Dreams a... a base install on every playstation that is how you get people hooked for a very very long time in that game but anyway that aside in that community someone has made the pt game within the realms of dreams and it looks spot on and i've got to get to a point where i think surely there's like a copyright thing where you can't just, like it's getting to a point where people are just going to make games instead of buying them because they've got the capability to and instead of going oh why should i play it on drinks but um i'm sure it's a conversation for another time but yeah, I I would love to see 
Media Molecule fall into the Sony fold a little bit more because uh, it's an exclusive anyway, but like make it official. I love it. Yeah, bake it into bake it into the PlayStation um, experience when you basically buy the console. Here's Dreams. It's free. Here you are. And here are some of the best games pre-downloaded for you. And here's how you can come into that world. Yeah, that's, really that's, that's how you do it, man. But um, anyway, I think we've answered that to some form of satisfaction. Uh, if you've got a view on that, get in contact with us. So that is that for this episode. If you liked what you've been listening to, please click whoa, on that. Whoa, 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 whoa. What do you think you're doing there, Mr. Flint? We haven't talked uh, about our gaming moments of the year before we go. I'm going to allow this because that is a sensational way to end this pod. Um, so 2020 had some interesting points and you're right. Actually, we've got some interesting moments that have happened over that year. Um, I've got one moment which really sticks out in my head and it's not a moment in a video game. It's a moment around the video games or video games, I should say. Now, over the course of this year, we have had some really interesting social media moments and i I don't think any will top the experience of watching the PlayStation Showcase over over the, the summer where they announced the price, the look of the console, and the repertoire of games. Now, that was two hours. For two hours, social media, the top 10 items were all related to announcements that were being made over this period. My phone was awash with people that love video games, who've got a passing interest in video games. My dad and mum were saying, are you watching the stream? And I'm like, my mum is asking me if I'm watching the Sony stream. And over the course of these two hours, what did we get? We saw the future in terms of what games are going to be coming out. We all had an opinion. Some of those opinions were really strong. Some of those opinions were really negative. But we all, as a whole global zeitgeist, came together over the course of those two hours. And that's nothing to do with video games. That's community. And that's what that's what that brought in. And for me, like this is what video games are all about. We are all hyped. Like We're all excited about seeing Sackboy. We all really care about the fact that a game... like You don't care about Resident Evil, Mikey, but when we saw the trailer pop up for Resident Evil, you were like, oh, hello, what's this? What's this? And then, then you get the stuff you don't know about. You get the stuff that you never heard was going to happen. And I was like, I remember at one point during the conference, I said, Mikey, I saw a Sony, uh, Sony Japan team logo pop up. Are we going to get Bloodborne 2? And no, we didn't get Bloodborne 2, but we've got Demon Souls. No one knew that was coming, right? Yeah, and you're a no, Souls man. Did no, you know no, that was coming? Um, it, long rumoured, but to have it confirmed was like, oh, they're actually doing it. Yeah, yeah incredible. And, and a lot of things, were, it's not just a rumour. Baby, here's some gameplay. Oh, and guess what? It's a launch title. And like there was things like, oh my God, like the moment where Mars Morales popped up and like we were all going, what's this? What's that? What's that glove? What's that? I was like, oh, Spider-Man. It's Spider-Man. I can see the finger. Oh, yeah, Spider-Man. Awesome. And then it was just the way it sucked us all in. Like I have not felt that way about, and this is just against some announcements, right? Like I never felt that way at an E3. I've never felt that way at other game shows, but, and this is all on, on Sony's dollar and for me, that's the game moment of the year. Now, I'm, I'm you know, I, I don't want to sound too biased towards Sony because Microsoft done some amazing stuff this year as well. But whether they like it or not, they could not touch the conversation. They are very good at having a voice in the conversation. But Sony, at the moment, they can control the narrative. Whether that's releasing a console, having an exclusive, or I mean, and Microsoft is closing that gap very, very quickly, and they have made head, like, miles of headspace in the last year. But still, Sony pulled out their big and just went this is what we've got coming and it don't matter what you're doing. And I loved every second of it. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Um, that was an incredible, incredible moment. It was one of those things where everyone, like I was, I had my laptop 
with my WhatsApp group with you guys on it um, and obviously the rest of our pals. And then I had my TV on YouTube, watching it, reacting. I had forums in the background. I'd read it on another tab, Twitter on another tab. It was just like, it was one of those big kind of collective, it's going down kind of moments. And yeah, it was, it was, it was great. I, I absolutely, stuff like that, I absolutely love. But um, I have to be honest, it's not, it's not my moment of the year, personally. Oh, as much as I enjoyed it. Um, now, as I mentioned before, uh, there was a big pandemic that occurred, but that is still occurring right oh, now. I don't know if you heard. <laughs> miserable time, essentially, miserable time. And I would be, when talking about 2020, I would be remiss at, I would suggest the game that has given the most joy to across the world in 2020. The game, the world needed this game more than I think people realized. And when this game come to play, um, it brought a lot of happiness into a really, really difficult time. Um, I made about 12 million bells on Animal Crossing New Horizons, <laughs> thanks to selling turnips on the turnip exchange. And I absolutely loved every second of it. Okay, uh, catching critters, building up a new island, getting some residents, a happy fun time i wasn't allowed to go outside but i had a glorious little world that i created myself on my nintendo switch making 12 million bells by playing that stock exchange and um i said i i put my code up on social media and loads of people came to my island to to, to also kind of do stuff as well they donated loads of stuff basically interacting with strangers on the internet about animal crossing was great i saw that wonderful um that wonderful uh, tweet of that guy who had Elijah Wood visit his island. And uh, <laughs> he tweets about it. He goes, I'm pretty sure Elijah Wood just visited my island. And then Elijah Wood tweeted him back going, yep, that was me. Like Animal Crossing brought joy to people's lives in a really, really difficult time. And it's, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention it because it nearly made my game of the year. That's how, that's how much joy it gave me. And uh, yeah, countless other people. So well done, Animal Crossing. I thought I'd mention it because you deserve everything you get. No, I agree, man. I I salute you, Animal Crossing. That was that's a you've done some 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 good. You're doing a lord's work there. You know, you're bringing people. They together. turned Tom Nook, who's basically the biggest crook in the universe, into a lovable character, though. Like that guy, all he does is want interest off you. You owe him everything at all times. You finally pay off your house. Oh look, I, I, I he needs some more money for a bridge, and then he like and you have to basically you get everything on credit from him, and you have to pay him back in installments. He's a that guy but <laughs> yeah it's a very it's a very like if you look at the underpinnings of that game it's a bit of a dodgy concept but yeah great great wonderfully executed um perfect for the switch um yeah absolutely love it and it went it blew up so well done uh, fair play to him well there you have it that is our moments of 2020 and our games of 2020 and that is the end of this episode now if you're listening to this chances are you listen to the first episode because we've been promoting this over the course of the end of this year now that means in january we'll be back hopefully we'll all the gremlins ironed out we've got things like interviews we've got games we've got other surprises and guests as well which is going to become all a plenty but if you like what you've been listening to click on that like follow subscribe button and that means you'll get more content from gray fox plays games i want to bring back my hosts and say thank you so much for your time mr carl edwards how can people find you uh you can find me on twitter at magnificent duke magnificent duke and <laughs> the producer the mole man producer moles buddy come off mark off let the people hear your voice pal thank you buddy how you doing and how can people find you uh they will find me in the engine room <laughs> 
<laughs> he's a man dedicated to his passion. He's basically our Steven Seagal in uh, in Under Siege. <laughs> yep. Basically our Scotty. I love it. I love it. Well, May 2021 be full of games and lots of things to do. And just remember, we are not tools of the government or anyone else. And on that note, Grey Fox Play Games signing off. Yeah.